Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Well, hello, Kitchen Table Theologians, and welcome back. I have so been looking forward to today's time together. Um, we're going to be answering some of your questions. We're going to see if we can put my co-host, Pastor Jeff Cranston, right here on the spot. If you've been joining us, again, my name's Jen Denton, and we are here to help you put those theological cookies on the bottom shelf, and so you can not only know but apply big concepts into your everyday life. Well, first of all, we've got a winner of a prize. Yeah, we do. Uh, the Southern Pecan Coffee. Pecan. 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 However you say it, it's delicious. <laughs> I, I had somebody try to find out where I bought it from without submitting a question. I told him, forget it. Submit a question, and maybe I'll let you know. The but rules are there the for rules a are reason. There for a reason. They're there. No, but I caved, I told him, because he's a nice guy. Uh, and, well, guess who but, did follow the rules? But he's going to have to pay for it. This this person's uh, not going to have to pay for that's it. So. true. Our winner of a carton, what do you call the the packet, the carton? Crate. The crate of 24 <laughs> K-cups of Southern Pecan Coffee is... Allison Holly. Allison, way to go. We loved your question, and um, thanks for submitting it, submitting it, and congratulations on this huge win. This is a huge oh, win. It's, it's... Let me tell you, Allison's won more by this than I've ever won in my entire life. I've never won anything. Have you ever won anything ever in your whole life? I have won a few prizes. Have you really? I did. I've won nothing. Well, I don't know. Does it count? Ever. I've won a bunch of those things in school where you had to sell a certain amount of boxes of chocolate or wrapping paper or something like no, that. No, I'm just talking you about there. you just, you earned that one. I don't know. Just won one. Well, we're... I don't we're know. <laughs> So <laughs> we're going off track. Allison has Allison has won something. Allison's a Congratulations, winner. Congratulations, Allison. Allison. Well, yeah. along with Allison being a winner, I feel like a winner. We've gotten some really encouraging responses from this podcast. We thought it was just going to be your wife and my husband that were listening <laughs> along. That hadn't been the case, has it? Uh, we really appreciate y'all listening and being very encouraging with text, emails, and things like that. We um, we've been really. Um, I, I've been surprised, uh, pleasantly surprised. I, we've been tremendously encouraged. Uh, we're approaching 2,000 downloads, and we're seven podcasts in, and we're uh, we have listeners on five continents and a number of countries, and you know the the, the power of the old interweb, as they say. So we're, we're wherever you're listening from, uh, whether you're local here where we live or some other country, we're grateful. And we welcome you to the, the kitchen table and, and hope that this first series on the Bible uh, has been helpful to you. Our next series begins next podcast, and we're going to discuss the Trinity. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's going to be good, and it's, it's, it's been really—I uh, think it's been a lot of fun for us to do. So we've, we've just wrapped up the, the Bible series, and off we go. Yeah, so we've talked about really big concepts of revelation, inspiration, illumination, infallibility, inerrancy, and lastly was sufficiency. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, had so many questions. 
So, so, so many questions submitted, but we narrowed those down to just two today. We don't want to throw Pastor Jeff for too big of a loop today. So we're going to give Allison's question a go here first. Now, she is our big winner, so don't mess it up. I'm going to try not to mess okay. it up. All right, here we go. All right, so this is Allison's question. You have referred to the Holy Spirit as a person. Why is the Holy Spirit referred to as a person when it's not a physical being? What is the definition of person when it says God is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons in one in the Bible? Well, there's, um, yeah, Allison, it's a great question. Thanks for submitting it. Submitting it. And I find there are many Christians confused about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. So we refer to the Holy Spirit as a person because Scripture describes the Holy Spirit in personal terms, never as an impersonal force. The Bible says, you can just start to go through, the Bible says the Holy Spirit teaches us, guides us, uh, comforts us, intercedes for us. As you read through, you see that the Holy Spirit possesses emotions, He possesses intellect, He possesses a will. Um, scripture never refers to the Holy Spirit as it, and I hear Christians mm. saying that all the time. And when I hear somebody refer to the Holy Spirit as it, um, now they may understand the, the Holy Spirit's role and stuff, but it, that's that's a wrong choice of of a word there. He is not an it. He mm. is a person, and he has personal attributes, and that's why we we refer to him as as a person. Hmm. I don't and the, think I've ever stopped to think about what preposition well, we use there. Yeah, yeah. I hear huh. it all the time. Huh. It's like we talk about Jesus as Him. We talk mm -hmm. about God the Father as Him. We call we talk about the Holy Spirit as it. Hmm. So it's sort of like, the, I don't mm -hmm. know if we get it confused with the Force in Star Wars. <laughs> I don't know what happens there. Um, but, we, you know, you, you go to the book of Acts, you find the Holy Spirit speaking to Philip. That's what it says. He spoke mm -hmm. to Philip. A, a thing, a force doesn't speak. A person mm -hmm. speaks. He gives counsel to the church at Jerusalem. Um, and we read in the book of Acts that the Holy Spirit was sinned against. He was lied to. You can't do that to some inanimate object or force. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the Holy Spirit speaks, um, even though a lot of people don't, don't think so, because, again, they think of him as this impersonal force, this, it, it, a power, for sure. Does, is it the power of God? Yes. Mm -hmm. But again, it is the power of God. No, he, he is a person. Now, I, I'll tell you who talks about him as a force. And it's Jehovah's Witnesses. Hmm. It's a cult. And a lot of Christians agree with their statement. And Jehovah's Witnesses say this, the Holy Spirit is not a person, and it is not part of a trinity. Do you see the words already? Mm -hmm. Not a person, it. It is not a part of the trinity. The Holy Spirit is God's active force. There's the word. That he uses to accomplish his will. So it's sort of... God, this powerful entity force that God uses. To a certain extent, it can be likened to electricity. Hmm. I mean, come on. Mm -hmm. But that's Jehovah's Witness. That's why it's a cult, because it's gotten away from the truth mm -hmm. of God's Word. So they're seeing the Holy Spirit as an impersonal force. I can tell you, if, if that was included on a doctrinal 
questionnaire of most Christians in America, the Jehovah's Witness statement, I bet the vast, vast majority of Christians would agree with that statement. Mm. And that's why we do kitchen table mm -hmm. theology. Uh, so, Allison, great question. Uh, again, he we refer to the Holy Spirit as a person because he has personal... Uh, he, he has the attributes of personality. He has a will. Um, in First Chronic, uh, sorry, First Corinthians twelve, he distributes spiritual gifts to Christians as he wills. The Bible says, "Does the Holy Spirit have a mind?" Well, First Corinthians two ten says he searches the deep things of God and he knows them. So there you go. There's the mind. Does the Holy Spirit have emotions? Well, Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. You can't grieve a force, mm. something that's impersonal. You can grieve a person. So if he can be grieved, then he has emotions. So that gives him attributes of personality. There's a bunch of other passages in the, in the uh, New Testament showing the Holy Spirit can do things only a person can do. So because he has a mind, because he has a will, because he has emotions, we know that he is a person. And... Which makes sense because isn't isn't the Trinity drawing us into relationship? The Trinity is a relationship. Mm -hmm. You know that we we understand relationship because of the Trinity, right? So there's 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 relational. Um, they are relational entities, relational mm -hmm. beings, I should say. They relate to one another. Mm -hmm. They are distinct from one another, but they are still one. And we'll talk about this in our next podcast and the next three podcasts, mm -hmm. actually. Um, so anyway, there you go. He, he, the Bible refers to him as a, as a person because he has the attributes of personality. Mm -hmm. So because that is true, we are, we're moving from this idea, whether we were camped out there or not, of it to he, of mm -hmm. force to person. What does that mean for us, again, as we always want to break it down, in the day-to-day? So we we recognize him as a as a real person. Yeah, just like you said, not a force, not not this presence, not just some power. Um, and so when it comes to to our lives, I, I think a good thing to be reminded of is that here's something that we know that really affects our lives, but I don't know that we understand how much it affects our lives. He is praying for us, mm. just as Christ is praying for us. Um, Romans 8, 26, we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. But the Spirit himself. So there's the Holy Spirit. And then look at the next word, himself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Scripture refers to him as a person. It doesn't say, but the Spirit, it makes intercession. It says the Spirit himself makes intercession. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, again, we've we've talked about those of us that struggle with anxiety. I have just so resonated with that verse because mm -hmm. there's so many times that you just say, I don't even know what to pray for. Right. I just, you know, heaven help me. <laughs> I'm going to throw yeah. up my hands. I don't know what to pray for. And I've been so comforted that when I don't have the words, yeah. that there is that intercession. That's there. I often pray in those same moments when you don't know how to pray, don't know what to pray. Or how about this? You know, if you're something seriously has gone wrong with you physically or whatever, and you're unconscious, you're, you're in a coma, God forbid, or you're, you're, you're just have been knocked out. 
And you can't even pray for yourself. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit is praying for you then. Mm. There's been many times when I've just said, you know, God, I don't know how to pray about this. So Holy Spirit, would you take, you know my heart in all of this. Would you take all of that and would you translate that Mm. for me into a prayer before the throne of Mm. God as only he can do? And uh, yeah, that we won't know the, I guess, the fruit of all of that until Mm -hmm. we get to heaven. Mm-hmm. But how good to know that he is he is praying for us. He's guiding us in our decisions. He's telling us we're children of God. Uh, that's a that's in Romans eight fifteen and sixteen. Um, we can hear his voice if we listen. We can grieve him. We can uh, have all kinds of interactions with him. But really, respecting the Holy Spirit as a person, uh, the equal part of the Trinity of the Godhead, that really is necessary for any Christian's relationship with God. Mm-hmm. I love this verse from Romans 8, I believe it's 15 through 16, that says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Yep. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Yep. Man, that's powerful. So he's reminding us of that. He's telling us that that we're in God's family. Great. I'm glad you asked that question, Allison. That's I, a great question. I hadn't really thought about it, and it cleared up a lot of things that I didn't even know to ask, so that was good. Well, hey, let's move on to our next question. This one is from one of our listeners named Brian, and he asks, we believe the Bible is complete, and there are no more books of the Bible to be added. Who determined which books were to be included, and how were the 66 books of the Bible determined to be complete in the Scriptures? That's a really good question because a Catholic Bible has books my Bible does not have called Mm -hmm. the Apocrypha. Why aren't they in my Bible? Mine has 66. Theirs has more. Uh, Why isn't there a 67th book? I think you asked that question early on. We did. We did. We threw out a lot of different things. Well, it's a really good question. And and the question, in the answer, we we are introduced to the word canon, Mm. Not, not the kind that shoots exploding ordnance, but C-A-N-O-N, canon. And that comes from the Greek word meaning rule or a standard. So the word canon comes from the rule of law that was used to determine if a book, a Bible book, measured up to a standard. So it's important to note, I think, that the writings of Scripture were canonical. They were part of the canon of Scripture at the very moment they were written. They, they didn't need um, some counsel to go, oh, yeah, that's Bible, and that, that's not. They, when they were originally written, they were, they were Bible, so to speak. They were canonical. As soon as pen or quill touched parchment under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that became the Word of God to us. And that's really important because Christianity does not start by defining God or Jesus or salvation— the basis of Christianity is found in the authority of Scripture. That's what we've been talking about these first six podcasts. If we can't identify what Scripture is, then we can't properly distinguish any theological truth from error. Mm -hmm. And if Scripture is supposed to be and is our sole authority, on what authority do we know which books should belong in the Bible since the Bible doesn't There's not a table of contents, (laughs) so to speak, since the Bible does not state which books should be included in and of itself. Right. That's a that's another really important part of this question. Do you remember watching the uh, the Weakest Link 
You're yes. the weakest link. Yes, that, the blonde that lady. That really and, surly yeah, she lady. She was sassy. <laughs> well, that reminded me of this. A chain is only as strong as its weakest, weakest link, link, right? Yep. So in the chain of communication from God to humanity, is there a weak hmm. link? And that's sort of where this question goes. And if so, then the whole chain fails, and the communication can't be trusted by us. So think about the various links that comprise God's communication to us. In, in our very first podcast, I believe it was that when we discussed how we got the Bible, and we went revelation, remember, from yeah. God to man, mm-hmm. and then inspiration from man, man to paper, paper and illumination from paper to heart. Uh, where did it all start? It started with God's desire to communicate, and that was rooted in his love. And the most loving thing a good God can do is reveal himself to his creation. And and next came that actual transmission of God's word through human writers. And that's the process we talked about called inspiration, mm-hmm. that God breathed the words that the human writers, the agents recorded. So there's this desire to communicate, then there's inspiration, and then there's dissemination, the words delivered to its audience through preaching or other means, and then recognition, God's people began to distinguish Scripture from other religious writings, and then that moved into preservation, through which God's Word has survived to the present day, despite all kinds of attempts to destroy it. Mm-hmm. And finally, illuminations, the Holy Spirit, you know, He opens the believer's mind and heart up to understand and receive the Word. So there's a little bit about, about the chain. Um, but let, let's go on. Let's talk about the... Um, the canon uh, of Scripture, and let, let's get to the answer. Yeah, so I like your analogy of there was no committee that formed to determine the canon of Scriptures. God determined the canon of Scriptures, yeah. what books belonged in and to the Bible. Then what criteria the church used for recognizing and collecting the biblical books? How did all that yeah. come into play? So that's really important that we get that clear in our heads. We, we want to be very careful to say that God determined the canon and the church discovered the canon. We, we discovered it. it. It wasn't created by the church. We recognized it. We, we discovered it. Uh, so it goes back to, you know, when, when, when it all started with God, it, it was already, uh, it was already his, his word. So there, but there were some, uh, we, we, we recognized through some standards what, was, what God wanted in what we call the Holy Bible. So here, here's some of the the answer to the question. And here's the criteria that has been used. A couple of questions. Number one, was the book written by a prophet of God? It had to be written by a prophet of God. Number two, was the writer authenticated by miracles to confirm his message? That that was usually part and parcel of it. Number three, does the book tell the truth about God with no falsehood or any contradictions in it? Number four, does the book events or evoke a divine capacity to transform lives? Are, are we seeing life change as a result of that particular text being read? Mm-hmm. And fifthly, was the book accepted as God's word by the people to whom it was first delivered? Um, so did, did the book receive prophetic? Was it prophetic? Was it by a prophet? Mm-hmm. And then as you got into the New Testament, you know, that 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 kind of works for the Old Testament, but what about the New Testament? 
Then it was, did the book receive apostolic approval? That was really the chief test in the early church. It, you know, we had to, they, had, they knew what an apostle was. The apostles, those were the disciples. And the apostles were gifted by God to be the founders and leaders of the church. You know, when we, th- when we think about the disciples, they were, they were this stumbling, bumbling group, you know? <laughs> and they didn't know what they were seeing. They didn't have to believe the stuff Jesus was doing. And then all of a sudden, after they meet him resurrected, everything changed. Well, what they had been going on about had authority. Right. Now. Yeah. Well, Peter's deny, deny, deny. Mm-hmm. The next thing you know, Peter's leading thousands to faith in Christ. Peter's writing part of the Bible. Mm-hmm. The, the Gospel of Mark really probably should be called the Gospel of Peter. <laughs> Mark really was just the scribe or the secretary. Mm-hmm. And what you're reading in the Gospel of Mark is Peter's firsthand account of his life with Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had to be an apostle. An apostle was somebody who had who had walked with with Christ. Um, so we we accept them. The word comes through them. And if you go back and you think of what Jesus said about the promised Holy Spirit to these guys, he he said to these apostles, he said, he's going to bring things back to your memory that I have said. He's going to guide you in all truth. After Jesus ascends into heaven in the book of Acts, the, the apostles receive supernatural gifts. They enable their work. It confirms their message. Uh, Paul writes in Ephesians 2, God's household, the church, is built on the foundation of the apostles and, and the prophets. So they were given a special, very special commission by God. And it only makes sense that the church then made the apostleship kind of the number one test of does this writing belong in the canon of Scripture. So the Gospel of Matthew was considered canonical, written by an apostle. The Gospel of Mark was, Luke was, John was, and so forth. And people say, well, what about Paul? He didn't walk with Jesus like one of the... Well, are you sure about that? Mm. You know, because he had his encounter with mm-hmm. Jesus, and Jesus sure spoke to him, and he spoke to Jesus mm-hmm. on the road to Damascus, and then he spent all that time in the desert with the Lord. So Paul Paul fits in there. Um and then the church, uh, the, the the early churches, Thessalonica, Colossians, or the the Colossian church, um, the Philippian church, they accepted the the first century Christians accepted the writings of the apostles as being from God, and and uh, so the 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 test of apostleship was confirmed by by the early church. And so the, that's how the canon kind of came into being. Um, some other ones, you know, were really put forward, some other writings, but they don't, they, they, they didn't cover all of those standards. Mm-hmm. They, they fell short in, in some way. So I'm, I'm grateful for what we have, and I think that we have a, uh, you know, what we have in our Bibles, our 66 books written over 1,500 years by over 40 authors, is the divinely inspired Word of God and all that we need mm-hmm. and all that's necessary for our life and our faith and our salvation. Completely unprecedented because no other book was ever or will ever be written this way. Nothing like it. <laughs> Nothing God's like revealed it. Word to us. That is absolute truth, yep. and that's what we need to continue yep. to link back to and know, as we always say, that the real power, the real power of the theology found within there is not just knowing it, but applying it. And so that's where we're going to land today, encouraging you to do the same. 
reading and applying these valid biblical truths in your life. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that our time together today has been helpful and has helped you grow in your knowledge and faith in our Lord. Maybe today's podcast, you said to yourself, well, now I wish I would have asked a question. You get the opportunity to do that. In two weeks, we'll be devoting another podcast to answering your questions. So make sure that you keep those questions going. We'll send, um, just send us an email to Pastor Jeff at lowcountrycc.org. Ask us a question. If we don't get it in the next round, we'll get it in another series coming up because that's what we want to do. We want to meet with you and meet you where you are. Thank you for uh, listening today. And again, you know, whatever you uh, want to know more about, things that we're talking about, things that we're covering in this podcast, we would love to hear from you, Pastor Jeff at lowcountrycc.org. And so until next time, we'll see you then. And we begin a four-week, sorry, four-session podcast, four-podcast session. I don't know. The next four podcasts are all about the Trinity. (laughs) Leave it up to us to take four podcasts to talk about About three three things, the Trinity. (laughs) There's a lot in there. All right. God bless everybody. Thanks for listening today. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's Word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.